0: I woke up early the next day because it was like sleeping in a zoo. Birds had been tweeting and carrying on in the trees outside my window practically since I'd gone to bed. How can anyone sleep in the country? I think some of the birds have got secret mouth organs and drums, like a really bad band rehearsing. A band of birds singing with no tune. Like those people in bygone days who wore black polar necks and played jazz that had no tune. Beatniks, they were called. I think my dad was one. Hey, perhaps the birds are beaknicks. Not nicks, but beaknicks. I must write that down in my notebook, because one day it may be comedy gold, especially if I do a bird opera, which I might, following on from the triumph of my bicycle ballet. I could call it feather, or maybe Saturday night feather. We will flock you. Grouse! Pheasant of the opera! Right, I'm going to officially start my daily jottings in my performing arts notebook. I wonder if it's safe to hide it under my pillow. Then I could keep Alex's letter in the back of it. I need a name for my secret notebook. What shall I call it? What does the book suggest? I looked at the cover. Plums. Dark. Dark fruit. Unanswered questions, questions that need answering. Something like, The darkly demanding damson diary. That's me, that is. It's going to be my spontaneous stream of consciousness. Here goes. I'll start a new page after the Labradad entry. I may need to add drawings and so on of the Labradad. So I'll start a new blank page and begin. Right. I'm just going to go mad and improvise. I'm going to let myself go and not censor myself at all. Let my pen flow over the pages. Oh, hang on. I'll just get a pen that has a thicker point. Hmm. Good, good. Nice thick pen. Right. Now, my stream of consciousness begins. No, no, my feet are all wrong. No one can improvise with squirrel slippers on. I'll put my ballet shoes on for inspiration. Yes, good, good. Ballet shoes. Good. And... Oh, crikey, now I've got the squirrel-slipper's tail sticking in my bottom. I'll just... Anyway, off we jolly well go. Ah, once again I can smell the crowd and hear the roar of the grease paint. This is where I belong. I want to go to the tippy-top of the toppermost. I know that Sidoni Beaver has said that we will pay the price of fame. She said, Your feet will bleed before you wear the golden slippers of applause. I am ready. I'm girding my feet and my loins to suffer what I have to for my art. Here in the wilds of Yorkshire, I feel the spirit of Charlotte Bronte filling my snug winter tights. And in my heart, I hold the letter from Alex. And so, my winter of love begins with his letter. Performance note. When I say I am holding the letter from Alex with my heart, I don't mean this in a weird way. I know that hearts can't hold letters, really. Although... I could make a papier-mâché heart with little arms. When I went down the wooden stairs to the kitchen, Dobbins was trying to dress the lunatic twins for school. Max looked at me and smiled his sock animal smile. He looks even more not normal. Oh, I see, he's got goggles on and a swimming hat. Cripes, it's scary. Goggle Boy came for his morning knee hug. A goo as a women What? He's a woman now, overnight. I managed to escape with minimal hugging. Dobbs was red-faced and breathless. Oh, hello, Tallulah dear. There's a boily egg for you, but I... Will you take the goggles off, Sam dear? I-, I can't get your beret on. Sam biffed her with his snorkel and knocked her glasses sideways. No, lady, as woman too. Dobbs was trying to put a beret over the top of his swimming hat. You can't say she doesn't try. Dibdob said, It's not swimming till this afternoon. Mac said, Shh, lady. They were wearing snorkels and berets when they left. They'll never make any normal friends. Five minutes later, I was staggering through the village to the path that leads to Dother Hall. For once, it isn't snowing or raining, but there is a gale force wind blowing. Ruby yelled across at me from the blind pig. Hey, come and say goodbye to Matilda. She wants to show you some When I struggled over to the shelter of Ruby's front door, Matilda went dogtastic, leaping up at me. She has her ballet tutu on. It really suits her, and I noticed she's wearing a little satchel on top of it. Ruby said, She's got a playtime snacks in it. I said to Matilda, have you got your doggy treats in there? Have you got your ickle doggy bickies in there? Have you? She nuzzled me with her snout. Ah. I don't normally like animals nozzling me, but she is so cute. Then Ruby said, Yeah, she's got her snack hoofs. Hoofs? Ruby was going off down the path towards Blubber House. Dad gets them from the farm when they slaughter a cow. He has the cow heels and Matilda has the cow hoofs. This is not the kind of talk that a creative artiste listens to, especially one who's had her face licked by a hoof eater, Matilda, and an animal in trousers. Kane, two face-lickings in as many days. I was halfway to college in about ten minutes because the wind was behind me. As I passed by the sign that read Wolf Academy for Boys at about twenty miles an hour, I couldn't help thinking about Charlie again. What was it going to be like when we bumped into each other? I wish I could say he was a rubbish kisser, like Bat Boy. But he wasn't. It was softy and made my legs feel a bit droopy, and it was the best kiss I've ever had. Well, in fact, it was the second kiss I've ever had. For all I know, it might have been a number four on George's snogging scale, a kiss lasting over three minutes without a break. I will never know, though, because I didn't have a watch. Anyway, I'm not going to ever think about it again, about how he kissed me and then said, this is wrong, I've got a girlfriend. And another thing, has nose licking even happened to anyone else? There's no mention of it in Jane Eyre, is there? Even when Mr Rochester is blinded, he doesn't go for Jane's nose. I might have to write to Cousin Georgia, like an agony-snogging ant, and ask her advice about nose-licking. I still can't believe he did that, Cain Hinchcliffe. Perhaps he's one of Fang's adopted children. Half dog, half complete moron. There's a poster on the village hall to say that his band The Jones is playing on Saturday night. Ruby said that she doesn't think they will play, though, because of the big fight they had when Kane got off with Reuben's girlfriend. She thinks they've split up again. They are like wild animals, the whole family. Seth, Reuben, kane They're all bad. Not good. Not like Alex. He wouldn't lick someone's nose or destroy an outdoor lavatory. He's not a nose-licking, lavatory-destroying sort of guy. He is a dreamy sort of guy. And good. Then I rounded the corner, and there it was. Dother Hall. The rambling manor house with its turrets and its mullioned windows, its magnificent Gothic chimneys towering into the wind tossed sky. I remember Blaise Fox taking me up there and telling me I could be Heathcliff. She said I had a, a special quality, and. Hang on a minute! A spooky figure was staggering about up there, dancing? A mad person dancing on the roof, like a scene from Jane Eyre. Could it be the ghost of mad Mrs. Rochester? I had a strange sense of déjà vu. As I looked more closely, I could see that it wasn't Mrs. Rochester. It was Bob, the technician, up on the roof, like he was the first time I turned up at Dother Hall. In fact, it wasn't déjà vu, it was déjà Bob. What was going on? He seemed to be fighting a black parachute. On the roof. I don't think gale force conditions are a time to go parachuting. I pushed the heavy front door open and went into the front hall, which was a tumbling mass of hysterical girls. The noise level was a million decibels. Gudrun Sachs, Sidonia's assistant, looked even madder than I remember. She was in dungarees and had her clipboard out. She was shouting, Girls, girls, calm down! Let's have some quiet while I take the register! No one took any notice. Everyone was too busy screeching, although some girls were practising ballet positions or a bit of tap. In the end, Gudrun blew a whistle and shouted, Achtung! I was looking for the tree sisters when I heard a really posh voice behind me say, Really, really nice to see you again. There they were, Lavinia, Anoushka and Davinia, Lav, Noose and Dav, the girls from the year above. Lav was smiling at me. She looks even slimmer than she did last term, and her hair's all sleek and coppery. Even though she has a skirt and top on like mine, hers look about a million times more expensive. She said in a really bad Irish accent, "Be to Tallulah, did you have a nice time in the old country, in "'Oil and begorra begosh be Jesus! and she ruffled my hair. "'Oh, God!' I forced myself to smile and said, "'Oh, yeah, well, hello.' Gudrun started waving at us like a maniac and yelling, "'Come and get registered, girls! Schnell, schnell!' Lavinia snaked her arm around my shoulder like I was her bestie and said to me, "'I rarely, rarely want to see more of your performances, this term, Lules.' Lules? Maybe I should call her Lavs as my own little joke. Yeah, I could say, I'm just going round to the Lavs, and so on. (laughs) Oh, she's still going on. I know you had like a really hard time last term, you know, with your sugar plum bikey. She looked at me and smiled a sympathetic smile, which somehow made me want to poke my finger up her nose. But she was still banging on, so I'm really determined to help you through this term. We could get together and try some ideas out. Oh, no. She was still talking. Hey, Lules, Begora, Bejesus. I have just had an idea. (laughs) How stupid am I? Why didn't I think of it before? We could get our friend, you know, the boy from the pub, the one who's gone to Liverpool. Alex, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, we could get him to come in and give us his professional opinion. I said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah. Get Alex to come in so you can fawn all over my Alex, my good Alex. My Alex, who gives me three kisses on his letter. Yes, I will let you fawn over him just as soon as I hear that hell is freezing over and has opened up as a skating rink for fools. I didn't actually say that. I said, (laughs) Then the assembly bell rang and Lav, Dav and Noose went off into the main hall. Flossie came over and put her arm around me and said, what does she want? Does she love you? We finally got into the main hall. Nothing seemed to have changed. The stage still has papier and Maché boulders on it from our end-of-term Wuthering Heights. I based my Heathcliff on Cain Hinchcliffe, Not the Irish dancing, that was just something my legs did all by themselves. But the shouting and stroppy badness. And the moaning was based on him. No licking, though, because I didn't know about it at the time. It was quite gloomy in the hall because not many of the lights seemed to be working. Faisy said, It's cold in here. I got rained on in the dorm last night. Joe said, Wait till it snows. They'll have to chip us out of our sheets. This place is falling down. Vasey was bobbing around, all excited. Oh, Lula, wasn't it good in withering tights when you were Heathcliff and you came back from London all moody and mean and then you called for your dog and Matilda came on in shades and a leather jacket? Vasey was right. I was spiffing. As we sat down next to each other, there were loads of familiar faces, Millie and Tilly, Pippi and Becca. I couldn't believe my luck, really. Here I was at a proper performing arts college. Away from home, boys around, my own little gang. I was so overcome with happiness that I gave a spontaneous girl hug to my mates. They hugged back and we started swaying and singing. There's no people like show people, they smile when they are down. I had my arm around Flossie and she was back in Texas in her head and she yelled, Why, Miss Tallulah, take your goddamn hand off my corker. I'm not that sort of lady. I shouted above the hubbub. You know you love it, you Leslie!" I thought I would just try out some new words from my cousin Georgia. I'm not completely sure what they mean, but hey, I'm improvising. At which point, I felt a looming presence, something behind me. A cold chill went through my body as I heard that dreaded familiar voice. So, to Lula Casey, regrettably, we meet again. Remember, I am watching you. I have my eye on you, always. I looked up into the stern, forbidding, beak-like face of Dr Lightowler. As she walked past us and up towards the front of the hall, Joe said softly, She still hates you times a million, Vaisy said. She just loomed up from nowhere. Did she frighten you? She frightens me, Flossie said. Her beaky eyes are watching you wherever you go. Even on the lavatory. I said, I think she's part owl because her hearing is... Blimey, she is part owl because as I spoke her head turned back towards me but her body didn't, just her head. Spooky dooky. She looked at me, not blinking. I looked back at her, not blinking. I couldn't help it. We were two owls looking at each other. I felt a little twitch in my lower lids. A voice inside my head warned me, No, don't start raising your lower eyelids like your owl impression. It's not funny. It isn't funny. Then another voice in my head said, It is funny. Go on, do it. It is very, very funny. The first voice said, Just do one eyelid, just a little eyelid raise, or a slow blink. She'll never notice that. Then my legs began to feel tingly and restless. No, heavens no. Not an owl impression and Irish dancing at the same time. She'll eat me alive. Bit by bit. Head first. Save me. But then thankfully she walked on, not with her head facing backwards. As we sat there waiting for Sidoni to arrive, Joe said, Did you get a postcard from Honey? We all nodded. Daisy said, I wonder what her big news is. I said, She's probably done multiple snogging. They all looked at me as Monty came onto the stage. Good Lord, he's wearing a pink leotard. Just. He is quite porky. He looks like he has got little snacks in his cheeks that he's saving for later. Flossie said, he's goddamn beautiful. But I don't think she really means it. Anyway, we gave Monty a big round of applause. Monty was delighted to be back. His little piggy eyes were sparkly with enthusiasm for the theatre. He clapped his pudgy hands together and gave us a little twirl. Mes enfants, mes enfants, l'aventure commence. The adventure commences, tout de suite, immédiatement. Once again, we at Hall embark on the noblest of voyages. We are voyaging to the land of entertainment, of magic, of transformation. And he did a spontaneous pas de deux. Joe said, if he does that again, he won't be in that leotard for long. I said, no, he'll be in an ambulance. Flossie punched my arm and said in her Texan drawl, why, Miss Lula, that was very nearly a goddamn joke you all told there. Monty was still talking. And guiding us, as always on our journey, is our captain, or should I say, our Captain S, the brightest star in our firmament, the wick of our candles, the bow to our arrows, the beaver in our midst. Miss Sidoni Beaver! Monty skipped back and stood in third position as Sidoni slowly came onto the stage. She was wearing a riding outfit and a black feathered hat with an eye patch and a riding whip. Vasey whispered to me, That's what I wear when I'm Black Beauty. I whispered back, What, you wear an imaginary eye patch when you are your imaginary horse? She said, Yes. I smiled to myself. This is the life. Proper friends who share everything together. Sidoni was looking at us, her eye roving over the rows of expectant faces before her. At last she spoke, My girls, my girls. Once again we enter the theatre of dreams, our hearts filled with hope, our feet ready to bleed, if necessary. Once more, we strive, strive to reach the stars, because as the old saying goes, Sidoni was using her projecting voice, rolling her R's and pausing a lot, flicking her whip, all of us are lying in the gutter. But some of us are looking up at the stars. There was a round of applause and Monty pirouetted. Sidoni hadn't finished, though. Her voice got very deep and emotional. And some of us are being spat upon by the taxman. But let me tell you, my girls, we shall not be spat upon and take it lying down. We shall rise up and wipe off the spit and turn it into clouds of stardust. She swept off the stage and we all looked at each other what did that mean? Flossie said, it doesn't say anything in my timetable about spitting. Faisie said, I think she means it sort of metaphorically. Joe said, so does that mean we're doing mime spitting? This is what performing arts is like. People or artists, as I suppose we are technically called, talking about mime spitting. It's the theatre, darlings.